Welcome back to the podcast. We are continuing our series with Marcia Moorhead that, that Marcia is facilitating for us called In the Time of Waiting. And so I'm joined again by Marcia and by uh, Jason Martin once again today. So hello, Marcia and Jason. Good good to be able to, to talk to you again. Good to be here. Hey, Warren. Hi, Marcia. This is a, a good day to, to talk. So looking forward to the conversation. I am. I'm, I'm looking forward to it, too, in a way. In a way. <laughs> well, we'll get into some of that because I think this is certainly an interesting topic for us today. And uh, I'm I'm excited about the conversation and and where where it may lead us. So, this is coming a day later than our usual than what we've said will be our usual time on Monday. We uh, we pushed it back because of the holiday, and so we are we're mindful uh, coming off of Memorial Day of of those who have uh, lost loved ones and those who have given their lives in in service. And so we we remember them and are, are grateful for those who. Uh, who have served in that way and and mindful of those who have have lost family members and loved ones in 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 that type of work and so we're we're grateful for for their sacrifices and efforts and for for those of of all our current essential workers and and service members and and everyone else who uh who risk their life for for our safety and all of those things and so we're we're picking up our conversation then. Uh, today on Tuesday, with a conversation about the the power of word and breath, and and the connection that that our spirit has to to our word and our breath, and what is available to us there. And so, if you are able, uh, it might be helpful before you listen to this podcast to check out the the accompanying handout that uh, is really. A, a lot of information packed into a relatively short amount of space. <laughs> and so it won't take you uh, long, perhaps, unless you really want to dig into some of it, to take a look at that beforehand. But if you're not able to do that, or if you're driving, or it's just not possible for you to, to take a look at that handout before, Marcia, I'm wondering if you can begin with just a a brief, if it's possible, overview or, or kind of a brief look at what you're hoping to to kind of communicate or get across with with this topic and this lesson for today? Well, that is a very good question because this has been um, a difficult lesson for me to grapple with because I want to connect the word and breath and spirit at a deeper level than just rule keeping. Um, I've, uh, there is an experience of life and breath and what we say and our expression to others, ourselves, to God, that, that is more than what goes on in our head, in our intellect. It also involves our heart. And I think that is very difficult for me to talk about in a way that that makes a lot of sense. Because when I sat down to do this lesson, I thought, I may just have to give up on this and go to some other power. But this just is so basic for me 
that I felt like it was really important to address this. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad you didn't give up on it because I do think it's, it is an important topic for us. And, and I think one of the things that you did, that you did really well was, was to pack a lot of, of meat and content into, as I said, a relatively short kind of amount of, of space and writing in, in the part that you put together for this, that, that uh, in the handout that you did, there's, there's kind of a section uh, so far that the handouts have kind of followed this format of, of Marcia will have some scriptures at the top that kind of connect to that topic and then, and then some writing and, and stuff that she's put together. And, and as I was going over the handout, I read the, uh, the part that you had written, Marcia. And then when I went back to look at it, I was surprised at how short it was. It's really only four par- paragraphs. And I was surprised because because there's so much in there and and it's very um it's very full and and full of depth and and insight within a relatively kind of compact space uh it's sort of concentrated information and insight there that that I think is you know doesn't take a lot to to spell out but then as you're reading that it it does take your your mind and and your spirit in a lot of different directions and 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 brings to mind I think a lot of different implications of it that that I think you're right are sort of difficult to 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 grasp intellectually, but maybe we we I do think we feel some of these things if if we allow ourselves to go there, but but going about the process of uh, of explaining that or writing about that I I get how that would be would be difficult and would be a struggle. Um, it it was definitely a struggle and. And I'm going to refer back to your sermon on Sunday because intellectually I have known that that our auditorium is empty Mm. and that there may be one or two people that go through there. But as the community that we are, uh, we have not met in that space in in what seems like a very long time to me. And intellectually I know that and I say yes I miss those people there which I do but when you did the sermon on Sunday morning and you were sitting by yourself um, on the you know chair the pew and you panned completely around the whole space and suddenly the emptiness of it just struck me and I don't even remember what you said much for probably the next five minutes because I was so emotionally impacted by that scene and and this lesson I think um, has come out of that that experience I had because I, I have been working on this for a while and I'm thinking I know what I want to say but I can't get there from here hmm. and so when I saw the four paragraphs one of which is only one sentence long I thought nobody's going to be able to make head or tail of this <laughs> <laughs> because I don't know what to say about it I know how I feel about it I know the background I have brought to it but I think 
I think this is one of the hardest lessons, not just for this series, but at any time I've ever worked on. You know, I, I told you, Marcia, in, in one of the, the emails that we sent back and forth that I think really the, the crux of the content that you put together, to me at least, is in the sentence where you said, speech is carried on the breath, so our words are creative in their effect. And so I think there's sort of an irony to that sentence and what we've been talking about that we that that part of the the crux of this lesson it seems like is recognizing the power of our words and 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 trying to to recognize the connection between our words then and our, and our spirit and our and our breath and those types of things that there's an irony between that and then recognizing the difficulty of how to communicate this truth <laughs> and those those seem to almost be juxtaposed but I don't think they are because I think it, it's just a reminder that we have to sit with some of this and be intentional about some of this and be willing to look, look within ourselves and, and realize what's going, going on within us in order to be able to communicate that and, and express that, um, which, I, which I would guess is, is a difficult and important task. You know, uh, Jason and, and Marcia both have experience in, in counseling and, and, and working with people through therapy. And, and I would imagine that's, that's, a, that's one of the tasks of a, a counselor or a therapist is to, to help someone express what they are feeling. Do y'all agree with that? That's a definite part of it or to even get them to realize they feel is sometimes mm. the biggest mountain you I've uh, climb over. Yeah, I, I tell my students that uh, words, vocabulary, language uh, is the tools of the trade for a counselor. Um, and as with any tools, it takes a long time to learn how to use the tools proficiently and to become a, a craftsman with any, with any kind of tools. Um, and there are different tools that may look similar and that may do similar jobs but are... Uh, are, are very different in terms of when to use what tool in which situation. Um, but I also recognize that language is, it's uh, fundamentally, it's symbolic at every level. You know, when I use the word chair, C-H-A-I-R, in your mind pops an image of a chair, but there's nothing inherent about the letters C, H, A, I, and R that creates the object that we know of as chair. It's symbolic. And the only reason it has that symbolism is because that we have decided in that, it, or, you know, society and has decided that the English language C, H, A, I, R will represent the image of a chair. Mm -hmm. And the problem that we run into a lot of times when we are encountering emotion, as I often do in counseling sessions, or when we encounter spiritual uh, truths or spiritual insights or, uh, or experiences, is that we don't have adequate language. We don't have adequate vocabulary to really convey to another person what we're experiencing. It's a very subjective and very personal experience. And so Marcia, when, when I hear you talk about how you really struggled 
putting this lesson together and really writing it, um, I sympathize with that because I, I can, I, I know that all of us have, have been in situations where I know what I want to say, um, but I don't know how to, I, I don't know how to construct it in a way that really gets at the essence of where I am with this. Um, and I think that's part of the struggle that, that we have in relationships when we're trying to express love or fear or anger in an appropriate way. And I think that's the problem we have in our spiritual life when we want to express, um, you know, a way of being or the breath of God in our life or our, you know, maybe even some kind of spiritual struggle that we're experiencing is that uh, language is at the one time, at one point, really inadequate. And then on the other hand, it, it feels very um, necessary to be able to convey such thoughts. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I think that's, I think that's very true. And, you know, I wrote this lesson, and I still don't know if I'm going to be able to, to get across what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Well, you know, and that's where I think that we, and I, I constantly have to remind myself of this, is that, you know, I, I am a vehicle, I am an instrument, and, you know, am I going to be able to adequately, you know, convey the, you know, what it is that I'm wanting to convey? Well, maybe not, um, but then at that point, I have to just do my best and trust that God will, will bridge the gap somehow. <laughs> Okay, I'll I'll quit whining about yeah. it and get on with it. <laughs> well, I, I want to ask something, Marcia. I may have asked you this beforehand. I may should have asked you this beforehand before we started, but I'm going to ask you on the spot. <laughs> Thank you. And so I'm going to ask you the question, and then I'm going to kind of give an explanation of the question while you have time to think about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so here's the question, and then I'll set up the question and come back to the question. The question is, in your mind or in your thinking or in your feeling this, is there an image or a metaphor that comes to mind that you think kind of gets at this? And, and so to, to explain what I'm getting at there, because uh, I think it, I, I thought of this when, when Jason was, was, was talking there for a minute, and, and I was reminded that um, when you sent this handout that, that had a lot to do with spirit, uh, I was thinking that there was there was a sermon where I thought I had touched on some of this stuff with spirit, so I went back and looked. And one of the times that I did was at the beginning of of a series that I did. Uh, it was called Refreshed, and we talked about water and the imagery and metaphor of water throughout Scripture, and how there is this strong metaphor of of water throughout Scripture, both as this idea that that dark and chaotic waters are evil and that people become dark and chaotic waters who are capable of, of violence and, and evil and, and inflicting injustice on each other and on creation and how God then repeatedly is, is, is pictured as, as peaceful water and, and the calming and, and bringing to order the chaos of dark and chaotic waters. And that's this picture throughout scripture that then flows into our baptism and the imagery that we see there. Um, and and so I was reminded then of of the power of metaphor throughout Scripture, and and the power of metaphor that that I think we feel but but aren't always as in tune with. And I think that that's what you know Jason kind of spoke to that. And the example that I'd used in a sermon was that if I have an awkward experience with someone that I may not know succinctly how to communicate to you, I I can say 
that person was very cold or, or our conversation just felt very distant or, or something like that. And those are image words, they're metaphors that, that may help get close to telling you what I experienced without having to, to give the whole story of what made that awkward or, or, or what I was feeling in that moment. And, and I think the writers of Scripture, partly because of the culture that they are in, and, and we'll get to some of these specific words in Scripture in a minute, but uh, it, was, it was very image-rich, very metaphor-friendly kind of culture and way of thinking about things that, as you said earlier, Marcia, we kind of maybe struggle with sometimes as we want to be in our heads and we want kind of rational thought and, and heady explanations and rules and things like that. That, that I think, especially in the Old Testament, there's, there's sort of a different way of thinking that, that we see there. Um, and so I do think imagery and, and metaphor can help us, though. And, and so what do you think, coming back to the question now, <laughs> is there an image or a metaphor that you think can help kind of wrap our heads around some of what you're getting at in this lesson? Oh, see, this is just hard <laughs> from my, my point of view. <laughs> Because, you know, if you go to nature, it would be wind. But when I think about really what I'm trying to get at, it's more about the breath of God and how it's alive and living and how we participate in that. And and that is not a very good metaphor because, it, I mean, it, there's no real image that goes with that. <laughs> uh, so, I, I, hello out there. Anybody have any ideas, Jason? <laughs> well, I mean, I don't think wind is is a bad metaphor, um, but the breath of God. You know, when I, when I think of the breath of God, the word that comes to my mind is essence. Just the it, it isn't the whole of what God is, but it is the essence, the spirit, the um, the core of what makes God, God. Um, and the words that come to my mind, and I know that, that other people will have other words that come to mind, but for me, the words are goodness uh, and um, autonomy and omnipotent. Uh, and that the breath of God for me, represents the complete wholeness of the universe when it feels broken. And it's the wholeness and the goodness of me when I feel broken and not so good. Um, it's, the, it's the bridge that connects who I believe myself to be with who God believes myself to be. And I think breath of God, wind as a metaphor, I think is good for that because when I see the wind blow and I see, and you know, if you've ever been like standing over a valley or, or somewhere where you can see a large, uh, you know, amount of land and you see the wind, like a gust of wind just blow through all of that, you see, you know, all of a sudden the trees just in, in unison just start to sway together and you're seeing that they're being unified by something you know greater and grander than than a single tree could possibly be um, and it connects them all and it and it 
you know, swirls around and, and it never stops. I mean, you know, there's there hasn't been probably since the world was originally formed, there's been wind blowing constantly, um, you know, th throughout, you know, all of the land and, and over all the sea. And uh, so I, I don't know that I can come up with a better meta better metaphor yeah. than that. I mean, that just kind of seems to resonate as well as I could think anything could. Good, because I, I have tried to find, you know, I'm, I'm a believer in, in the pictures in our minds are what sticks with us more than the arrangement of the words that we hear. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's what was so effective about Jesus' teaching is because he, he gave images and stories uh, that didn't just illustrate, they generated mm -hmm. uh, a way of being and feeling and understanding uh, that's, that's so hard to get at with just a, a vocabulary. So, so I do like that. I really spent a lot of time going back um, into the Jewish view because I think that's our, our foundation. Um, the, the record of the Old Testament that tells about how the people struggled with uh, being God's people. And so to them, the breath was a huge thing. That's how they uh, decided uh, life or death. When you weren't breathing anymore, you were dead. When a baby was born until it breathed, it was not alive. And so that was very foundational uh, for them. And the words in the Old Testament are used um, kind of interchangeably with wind and breath and spirit, and it depends on the context, or sometimes it's all of the above. And... Um, one of the things that has so struck me was this idea uh, of the Jewish idea that God spoke the world into being. Hmm. Let there be light. Let there be um, animals. Let there that that it was the words that brought God's words with his breath that brought it into being. And I had never really paralleled in my mind before uh, the same thing when Pentecost comes and there's a mighty wind, the sound of the rushing wind. It's the coming of the Spirit. And even though I have known that intellectually, it did not connect in me and at the heart level until I really went through and read all I could find in the New Testament about the Pentecost. And in one place, it says that Jesus blew his breath on them uh, and it changed them forever. And I thought, wow, how come I never noticed this before? I'm sure I have heard the words before. And so that's the the part that I think is so important. It's not just the wind. It's not just the breath. It, all of those things together 
which are all gifts from God and are we get to participate a tiny bit in his power. All of that is just so basic to everything. And I was really trying to get at that connection between the our breath, God's intention for us, his efforts to um, sustain us and empower us and fill us with faith. It all has to do with this breath. And then with this breath, we speak words which can be so powerful sometimes in ways that are not especially good. But we do have the power to express ourselves and they do have an effect. And I, when I was working on this lesson, I, I got that in a completely new and deeper way than I ever have before. Mm. Uh, because I know I've hurt people with my words. I also know I've encouraged people with my words. But I did not see it as a spiritual practice, a spiritual um, responsibility mm. uh, until just fairly recently. And I thought, wow, look at that. Look at that. That is amazing. Well, and, and you, you spoke to the creative power of words that from the beginning, even in creation, you know, with, with let there be light. But the, and we, we see the connection there also between spirit and word, that it's that it's the spirit, the ruach, as you say yes. in the handout, ruach is, is the the Hebrew, the, the Old Testament word for uh, for spirit or for wind is ruach. And, and it's the Ruach of God that is hovering there over the chaos before he speaks. Uh, this, so the breath, the wind of, of God comes out in, in word as, as he speaks it into creation. And, and so you have both of those in, in connection from the very beginning of the story. There's this connection between spirit and spoken word, um, but between what it is within you coming out in in word and and having some type of effect on on the surroundings and and so I really appreciated the way as I said in, in that that line that I quoted earlier that you touch on the creative aspect of our speech and and you know you and I have talked about another series that we've done about how we have a lot of adults who don't consider themselves to be creative and and we see creativity as this as a sort of skill set assigned to certain fields or, or talents. Um, but we are creative when we are intentional and purposeful about the words that we use and connect that to the Spirit of God within us and allow that to be what comes out in our speech. That is a creative act that, and a, and a life-giving act and a way that we bring light into the world. Um, and, and so to connect that to our, our spirit, I do think is, is important and, and good. Well, and, and if I could just jump in real quick, that you, you're making, you're reminding me of, I, we've all encountered people who will say things that could be heard as pretty hurtful or offensive. And their defense for that is, well, I'm just being honest. I'm just being honest. Mm -hmm. And that might be true. But I do think that, you know, words as as mm. symbolic as they might be and at times inadequate as they might be, words have variances that we can give. And we and and I think before we speak anything, 
we have to be careful about what is the spirit with which I am bringing this to someone. And so if I'm bringing something that might be difficult for someone to hear, but I'm bringing it in love and I'm bringing it in in care and concern for them and for their uh, person and for their spirit, then I'm going to speak those words very differently and I'm going to speak whatever truth I'm trying to put out there very differently than if I'm coming with a, a very callous, hostile, or, uh, or aggressive attitude. And so the spirit with which I bring my words makes a difference. Um, and, and, and I don't think that a lot of times whenever we say, well, I'm just being honest, Okay, well, there are different ways to be honest. There are different words that we can use depending on what spirit we're bringing to the conversation is. You can be honest in a loving and kind and generous and God-filled manner. And you can also be, uh, you can also be honest in a uh, very destructive and hostile and hurtful manner. And neither one... Are, it necessarily has to be more or less honest than, than the other, but we do have to pay attention to what is the spirit with which I am I am bringing to my words. And I think, Marcia, you mentioned the word responsibility. That's what I think of when I think of the responsibility we have in our, in our words. It's not just about, well, what is truth and, and how honest am I being, but what spirit am I bringing to uh, to to the words that I'm putting out there, yeah, and I think that's I think that's what makes water such a powerful metaphor in Scripture because we recognize the destructive power of water and the peaceful life giving power of water. We just kind of innately understand that, mm-hmm. and I think it's what makes wind a great metaphor for what we're talking about here because we can also recognize the destructive nature and power of wind, and that even as something I can't see, I can see that the negative effects of it. Uh, you know, anyone who has seen imagery of a hurricane or has, has kind of lived through that knows the, the power and the destructive capabilities of, of wind. But, but as you, as you, uh, you and Mar- as you Marcia and then Jason earlier, were kind of commenting on, on that metaphor of, of wind for what we're talking about. I was thinking also about the, think of the many creative ways that we seek to harness wind or, or kind of participate, to use some of that language you used earlier, to, to participate with, with wind in our activities. From flying a kite to sailboating to, you know, uh, utilizing it, you know, to, to help us with flight or whatever it is. All the many creative ways that we participate with the power of wind, generating electricity. You know, you could go on and on with the ways that, that we kind of participate with that creative power that is available there in wind. Uh, with something we can't see or grasp or really take hold of, <laughs> uh, but we can harness it for good and, and kind of realize it. So, um, yeah, absolutely. And, and I think, uh, Marcio, um, so we won't get into a whole lot of, uh, more about the Ruach and Numa. Those are the two words that you kind of touch on, uh, briefly there in, in the, in the handout. But, but yeah, we, we certainly see a lot of imagery and metaphor surrounding those in, in scripture. And, and I, I know what you mean, Marcia, about once you start looking for something in Scripture, it seems to just pop out at you and, and you have this thought of, man, I've read this forever, but but I never saw it this way. And, and I kind of had that thought, you know, we, we I've been talking about covenants recently in our sermons, and that's how I felt looking at covenants and how the language, there's covenantal language all throughout Scripture. 
that, that we just miss. And I think we probably miss more of it than we even realize because of the, the disconnect of culture and, and language. Um, and so even as you were talking about something that, my, my mind turned to even in the Exodus story, when God speaks to Moses, but then it's the wind that drives the waters back. Um, I think overnight, I think it says the, the wind is continuously, continuously blowing and driving the waters back. So again, you've got this imagery of, of God speaking to Moses and then working through, through this wind and spirit. And, and yeah, that, that's a repeated theme that we see there um, countlessly, countless times throughout the rest of Scripture. And, and I also think you see in Scripture, and, and we'll kind of maybe begin to wrap up with this thought, because there's also a connection in Scripture, especially in the Old Testament, between our heart and our spirit. Um, and you said something in the handout. You said, unless our hearts are connected to our words, we have a tendency to judge and shame, which, which uh, speaks to a little bit of what Jason was talking about earlier. And, and you know, there's the, the well-known Psalm in Psalm 51 that says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. So there's this connection between my heart and my spirit. Uh, Ezekiel talks about it several times. Uh, the first time he says, I, uh, talking, or God in Ezekiel, says, I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. And so there's this idea repeatedly when God is talking about putting his spirit within us as people, that the idea there was that he would be giving us a new heart um, and that our cold, calloused, prideful, sinful heart would be, would be replaced or, or kind of taken over by this spirit of God that would give us a heart of, of love and peace and compassion and, and all of those things that would then come out in, in what we say and what we do. And I think that gets at the very essence of, of what is promised to us in Christ, in this giving us a new spirit, giving us a new heart, out of which everything then flows out of. Yeah, I, I definitely uh, agree. I think um, because of... Uh, a lot of factors in our culture, we we talk out of our heads instead of our hearts, um, mm-hmm. and um, I, I think that I think that has been difficult to me because all of my life there has been so much emphasis on head knowledge, and that kind of fits with my personality structure. I tend to lean on that um, a good bit. Uh, but to be able to to really connect with the idea of as a person thinks in their heart, so their life comes out of that. Um, and I I don't always consult my heart before I speak, which is um, you know one of my uh, paths for growth is to be more uh, head and heart connected. Um, Another scripture that really knocked my socks off was this one about, you know, let your yes be yes and your no be no. And I, I had not thought about that in the context of spiritual truth. Um. And and I can a very practical example is 
I think sometimes to get rid of the incessant demands of parenthood, we tell our children, well, maybe if this works out, if I get my, if I get the lawn done, you know, if I get the dinner cooked, if I can get to the grocery store. I mean, we have all these contingencies. Then maybe we could do that. And so the child... Yeah, use use the yes very sparingly. Yeah, you know, the, the child lives in anticipation that this is going to happen, and it doesn't. And I was thinking, no wonder they throw fits so much. Or, you know, you need a committee at church, and five people volunteered to show up. I mean, this is just how it goes. So I think we, it would be better to say no, like the... What's the parable about the the guy who tells his father, yes, I'll do it, and he doesn't, and the other one says no and then does it, and which one, you know, is justified? Well, I think we need to be so careful, not because it's a rule and God's going to punish us, but because we punish the people around us and thereby punish ourselves because we are not clear on where we're headed. Um, so that was just something I got out of that at a totally different level than I ever had before. I thought, oh, this is about being kind and about doing what you say you're going to do. And, um, and I, that had not connected in my heart in the way that it did until I started working on this lesson. (laughs) So I've gotten a lot out of it. I don't know if anybody else will or not. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you I'm glad you mentioned that because I was wondering that does seem to be the scripture that's that's sort of out of place with the rest of them on the surface. That there's no direct mention of spirit or or heart or anything like that. And I thought I kind of knew where you were going with it, but I, I appreciated that explanation. I think that makes sense. And and the the I, the thing about a parent telling their kid maybe hits a little close to home because that's a conversation that Isley and I have had because I because re- she told me she was like I don't like it when you say maybe because she said I I hear that as yes but not now basically is what she was saying and so like you said she's waiting in anticipation of that and I realized I usually use it as it's probably going to be no. But I'd rather put 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 off that discussion and fight until later. So I'm going to say maybe for now, and and how that leads us to different. We come at that future conversation then from very different places. That of course is going to result in a combustible, you know, argument and fit um, because of the the different places we're coming at it now because of the word maybe. So so yeah, I can relate to that one very much. I can too. <laughs> That, that that's probably about enough for us today as we just uh again if you covered a lot in four paragraphs in the handout we covered much more in our conversation here so so I'll remind people that if you want to dig into some of this a little more we hope that you'll join us in the Zoom conversation uh Wednesday night tomorrow night if you're listening to this on Tuesday but I I do want to close just kind of briefly with the thought of some people may have a question of so what what in the world do I do with this? And and so you've you've included some stuff in the handout there, um, Marcia, that that people can take a look at and maybe kind of in introductory ways to to sort of experience some of this. I'll say one of the things that that has been helpful for me, and that I tried to do. So I had read this handout and I was thinking about it in kind of my morning prayer time this morning, 
And so I always try to include some time for, for silence and listening and receiving as, as part of my prayer time that I find those to be the most effective kind of times of, of prayer. And so one of the things I did during that time this morning was I, I asked for, uh, I wanted God to give me some word that I could either use in my speech today or could inform my, my speech and conduct today. And so I was, I was thinking about that for a while and just trying, trying not to force it, but trying to let it come to me. And so peace was the word that came to me that in my words and, and in the ways that I'm using my spirit and my, my breath and my words today to, to speak peace and to bring peace into conversations and situations. So that's going to be my goal and a follow-up conversation. Ashley and I could do a podcast in a couple of days to see whether or not I have done that. But, <laughs> but that would... You can ask me tomorrow in the Zoom how that goes this afternoon. So <laughs> bring a little accountability to that. But that was at least my way of trying to incorporate some of what I felt like this was leading me toward and, and kind of what, is, what does it look like for me. So I think it may look differently for all of us, but hopefully there's something we can take, take from any of that. Any closing thoughts, Marcia or, or Jason, before we wrap up here? Well, I just think that this is a, a challenging topic that uh, this this particular session, this particular lesson, I don't think necessarily has uh, a uh, an ending that I think we would find satisfactory. Um, and that's I think that's because it's it's something that is always going to be um, evolving. It's always going to be changing and growing in in our lives individually and and in our society and in our church. And so I think this is just one of those topics where we, as difficult as it is, um, have to develop some peace with ambiguity and uncertainty and, and incompleteness. Yes, and, and yeah. I, I do consider it a path. Uh, I'm not sure, you know, we're going to arrive at, you know, I've done this now and it's accomplished. I think I think it's a path, mm-hmm. um, and that's how um, I tend to view most of my spiritual life. I can't just tell myself it's it's the journey. My life is about the journey, yeah. and hopefully, <clears throat> I'm aimed toward God. Uh, some days I'm not so sure about that when I reflect on how I've acted that day, but <laughs> that is what I'm. Um, uh, that's my intention. Thank you. Thank you all for joining us. And for today, I'm going to uh, we'll close out a little different today. I'm going to close us with the prayer that you included in in the handout, Marcia. And I'm going to pray it for us just once slowly. And this will be our closing prayer for our podcast for today. So as we kind of make ourselves aware of as I make myself aware of my breath and um, try to bring a sense of peace and calmness as we have enjoyed this conversation, I'll pray these words. Spirit of God, breathe on us. Amen. Amen. Amen.